0: Hello and thank you for joining us on our Inspire Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message inspire you, that it builds your faith, and that it can help you see how God desires to move in your life. Enjoy the message. How many of you know we live in Australia and Australia has its own you know cultural nuances, and I love Aussie culture. She'll be right. We're all mates, everything's cool, it'll be fine. There's a lot I like about Australian culture, but the Bible says we've been translated out of one kingdom into an altogether different kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has a different culture even to the Aussie culture that we are immersed in. And so if we want to be successful, we've got to understand the kingdom culture, which is really code for how does God think. If you know how God thinks, then you know how to be successful. And so Matthew 25 contains a story that Jesus told. Familiar to many of us if we've been in church a while. If it's your first time in church, I want to read it for you. But if you can understand this story, you'll understand how God thinks. And it's amazing how God thinks because many people are shocked to find that God thinks quite differently to the way many of us naturally do. Matthew 25 verse 14. Listen to what Jesus says. He's explaining the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like a man going off on an extended trip. And he calls his servants together and he delegates to his servants responsibilities. To one he gives $5,000, to another 2,000 and to a third 1,000 depending on their abilities. Now let's stop right there because many of us are offended already. Did you notice it wasn't fair? It wasn't equal. Now don't get me wrong, the master loved the servants equally, but that didn't mean everything they had was equal. One servant got 5,000, another servant got 2,000, and another got 1,000. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. How many of you know it's very different to Aussie culture, where we think everyone should have exactly the same? We think if anyone's got more than us, that's a problem, and we want to drag everybody down, and maybe even get the government to take stuff off them, so no one's got more than us, because we want it to be fair. How many of you know, that's not life. If life was fair, I'd be black and six foot eight playing in the NBA. But life's not fair. You don't choose the hand you're dealt. But how many of you know you do choose the way you play the hand? your doubt. Many people today are sitting on their hands, complaining and whining that it's not fair because other people have got more than them. But Jesus says, this is how the kingdom works. You don't choose what you start with, but you are responsible to do something with what you have. This is very different to Aussie culture, where we just sit around and look for a politician who's going to take stuff off everybody else and give us something. Jesus says, no, no, the kingdom of heaven is where you don't get to choose the hand that you're dealt, but you get the responsibility and the privilege of playing the best you can with the hand you've got. Now listen to what happens. It says that um, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man who'd been given $1,000 dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of the three servants came back and he settled up with them. Uh, the one given 5,000 showed him how he doubled the investment. And his master said, good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed him how he doubled his master's investment. His master commanded him, good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. Did you notice one guy turned five grand into 10 grand? The other guy turned two grand grand into four grand, but both guys got the same commendation. See, ultimately, it wasn't about how much you produced compared to other people. It was about what you did with what you had. This is why comparison is foolish. Jesus is teaching us how to think. Stop comparing yourself with everybody else, thinking that they've done better because they, people started with a different hand to you. You don't know where someone's at until you know where they've come from. And how many of you know we're all on a journey and we're all at different points on the journey, but we all started at different points on the journey. I remember the first time I ever rode 100 kilometers on my bicycle. I was one kilometer from home, so I've done 99 Ks. I've got my Lycra on, my aerodynamic helmet. I've got my carbon fiber bike with all of its bells and whistles, carbon fiber wheels, and I am exhausted I am dragging myself along the final kilometre, doing about 15 k's an hour, which is quite slow. When this guy, on an old mountain bike, wearing stubby shorts and a singlet, smoking a fag, with with a flag on the back of his bike and a basket on the front, rode straight past me. And he took the fag out of his mouth as he rode past me and he looked at me like, look at you with all your fancy lycra and your $5,000 bike and I'm going past you. He was so judgy. How many of you know, he doesn't know where I am unless he knows where I've come from. It's foolish to compare yourself with other people because you don't know where they've come from compared to you. And so the master gives the same commendation to both men because it's not about what you do in comparison to other people. It's what you do with what you've got that makes the difference. Then the, servant gave, uh, came to the, the, the master came to the servant who'd been given 1,000. And listen to what the servant says. Master, I know you have high standards and you hate careless ways. You demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and I secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to put the money in the bank where I would have got a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into outer darkness. Let me give you seven mindsets of kingdom people. If you want to be successful in the kingdom of God, you've got to think like God thinks. His seven mindsets of kingdom people. Number one, you've got to understand I am not my own. That's foundational in the kingdom of God. If you want to be successful, you've got to understand I am not my own. I don't belong to me, in fact nothing I have belongs to me, everything is God's. You say, that's a bit extreme, well think about it, I don't even own my next breath. I have no guarantee that five minutes from now my heart will still be beating. How foolish are you if you don't even own your heartbeat to claim you own everything else? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes From above, every good thing in my life is God's and he's given it to me. You say, well, that's not true. I worked hard for what I've got. Yes, but who gave you the health? Who gave you the energy? Who gave you the strength and the opportunity? Ultimately, everything I have comes from God, which means everything I think I own is really on loan. Everything I think I own is actually on loan. It's all God's, the problem is we have short memories and we start taking things for granted. Could you imagine I was going away for a weekend and I said to Pastor John McMartin, that car that you drive is no good, so have the keys to mine, it's a much better vehicle. He says, are you sure your car is really expensive? I said, John, I like you, drive it for the weekend, I'll get it when I come back. So I go away for a weekend, but, but, but I'm kept longer than I thought. And so a couple of weeks later, I ring John and say, hey, John, obviously I'm not back yet. He's like, I know. What do you want me to do with your car? I said, keep driving. it. It's fine. I'm pretty sure I'll be back soon. He's like, okay. Well, a couple of months go by, and I ring John and say, John, obviously I'm delayed. He says, he says I know. Is everything all right? And we chat for a while. He says, oh, by the way, your car. I said, no, it's fine. Just keep driving it. I, I, I'll be a little longer. Well, uh, after a year... I ring Pastor John and I say, John, it's taking me a lot longer than I thought. I'm going to be gone a few years probably, but uh, keep driving the car and I'll just pick it up when I get home. Well, a decade goes by. Finally, I arrive home. I unpack my gear. I get an Uber to Pastor John's house and uh, he makes me a cup of tea and we talk about my travels and my trip and, and then I sort of look at my watch and think, well, I need to be going now, so um, if you just could throw me the keys to the car in the driveway and I'll take off. And he looks at me blankly and says... What do you mean the keys to the car in the driveway? I said, My car. He looks at me and says, Sin- Since when was that your car? Because it's been so long he forgot where it came from and he's taken it for granted and started to think that what's on loan is really his to own. And the same is true in our lives. That we get so used to the blessing of God we forget every good and perfect gift comes from above and we start to think we did that and we own that. And the foundational principle for success in the kingdom of God is to understand first and foremost I am not my own. Everything I have ultimately belongs to God. This is why every Sunday we get the opportunity to tithe. Everything belongs to God. But he doesn't ask, I give everything back. He just says, once a week, at the start of a week, just bring back 10%, just to acknowledge. Ross Perot, a former US presidential candidate, said, words are plentiful, deeds are precious. It's easy to say, yeah, everything belongs to God. But when I tithe, I am making a definitive statement to myself and to heaven. It's not just words. I'm committed to this. I don't belong to me. Nothing does. And so I gladly return to God what is his. And this is the foundational principle for blessing. You know, the moment you become a Christian, it's really a decision I'm not my own, isn't it? Because if if Jesus is God, guess who's not? Me. Me. If Jesus is the centre of the universe, guess who this universe does not revolve around? Me. People are getting baptised tonight, and we're going to take them under the water, which is signifying, I am dead to my old life. And then hopefully we will bring them up out of the water, because to keep them down would be homicide. So we're going to bring them up. And as they come up, they're saying, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. This is foundational. I am not my own. Here's the second principle. I'm not my own. The second principle is I'm a steward of another person's things. If I'm not my own and if I don't own anything, then everything that's in my hand actually is someone else's. It's God's. So my car is God's. My house is God's. My money is God's. My ability, my talent, my time, my treasure. It's all God's and I have been entrusted to manage it. What an amazing Opportunity that God's given me. You know, my place of work, uh, my finances, all the assets I own are, are God's, but He's given me the ability to decide how they will be used. What an incredible responsibility I have. Do you know, it changes the way you see your car, your home. Your finance, it changes the way you see the giftings and the talents in your life. It changes the way you see your time when you realize these aren't actually mine. They're God's, but he's given me the privilege of deciding how they'll be used. Here's the third mindset of a kingdom person. And this one's really important. I'm not my own. I'm a steward of another person's things. And here's the third mindset that kingdom people have. I'm expected to make a profit. I know profit is a dirty word these days. Uh, just after a profit. Well, profit is what happens when you are a blessing. That there's a local coffee shop in Townsville, they get a lot of my money. They get so much of my money. i tell you why. And here's the weird thing, I gladly hand over my money. You know why I do? Because they make brilliant coffee and serve it with a smile. And so they're making a huge amount of money out of me. Oh, they're greedy. No, they're not greedy, they're just really good at what they do. And You know, the Bible says that the master returns and he's looking for a profit. He's looking to see, did you turn 5,000 into 10,000? 2,000 into 4,000? What do you mean 1,000 is still 1,000? You're expected to make a profit. This is news to many people that God is actually expecting a profit from our lives. That somehow our lives will make a difference in our world, in our community. That we're not just making up the numbers, we're not just filling in space. But there's actually a result from our lives. Recently, our church business manager came to me, Pastor John, and he said, James, I need to talk to you. I said, what's up? He said, we're being audited by the ATO. I said, are we going to jail? He said, no, we're not. I said, good. That's good news, right? Now, of course, we're not going to jail because we run a tight ship at Calvary. But I was curious that our business manager, he was motivated because the ATO were auditing us. And so he said, I'm just advising you, I'm going to reallocate some of the finance staff just to make sure we've got all our paperwork in order and so on and so forth. And I watched him for the next couple of weeks preparing for the audit and he was very, very conscientious because when you know you're being audited, you're a little bit more on edge than when you're not being audited, right? Well, how many of you know the Bible says the master is going to return and he's expecting a profit? He's going to examine our lives and say, what did you do with that gift, that ability that I gave you? What did you do with that opportunity? I blessed you with that income, with that home. I put you in that church. What did you make of the opportunities that I gave you? And oftentimes we forget That one day we will have to give account, and we're expected to produce a profit and so we drift through life rather than being highly motivated if we're conscious of the fact at some point the master is going to return and ask to look at the books and see what we've done with the opportunity we've been given. How different would our lives be if we lived every day conscious of the fact everything I have belongs to God and he's expecting me to make a profit. With what he's given me. I watched our business manager for those two weeks, knowing that we were to be audited, very, very conscientious about all that he was doing. How different would our lives be? You'd have a girlfriend. No, let me tell you, if you're single, the greatest way to make yourself more attractive to the opposite sex is to be deliberate, is to be focused, is to have vision. When you know that God is expecting a result from your life and profitability from the things he's entrusted with you, you start to live with vision. You start to live a deliberate life and suddenly you become very attractive to the opposite sex because a tumbleweed has never attracted anyone's attention. But someone with vision and purpose becomes incredibly attractive. And when we live in light of the fact that God is actually expecting a result from my life, we live different to everybody around us because we live with vision and with focus. Here's the next one. Number four, kingdom mindset. I'm not my own. I'm managing someone else's things. God is going to ask to see a profit from my life. And number four, I'm free. Think about this for a moment. The master gave 5000, 2000, 1000 and said, "I want to see a profit." But he didn't give them any further instructions. He didn't say, "Invest all the money in BHP." Now he could have, he could have given them dot points. "I want you to do this, 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 this and this. Do it." But he didn't. He gave them resource and then he said, "Let's see what you can make of it." It's amazing to me. He really didn't give them many instructions at all. He just gave them an opportunity and then he trusted them to be creative. When I realized this, I realized the kingdom of God is not a tightrope where I've got to be so careful in case I miss what God is asking of me. The kingdom of God is a highway of righteousness where God says, go that way. And I said, well, do I go the left side of the tree or the right side of the tree? God says, surprise me. Think about this for a second. I'm a church builder, right? And so I've read the book of Acts. In fact, the whole New Testament is about building the local church and there's no local church constitution in the New Testament. Most denominations have formed over arguments about church governance. How much easier would it have been if there was an appendix in the New Testament which said, here's a local church constitution. Here's a local church code of ethics and conduct for volunteers. But none of that is in the Bible. And then I thought, if you look at the book of Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve, but he doesn't give them plans for nuclear fusion, or an automobile, or solar panels. Now, all of those are possible, but God doesn't give them the outline for any of it. It's almost like God says, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Surprise me. When I realized this, I realized... Fulfilling the will of God is not walking some tightrope. And and you've got to be so careful because God is so specific. i realise realized God actually trusts me. And he said, James, you're free. I've given you an opportunity. And now you're free to explore it, to exercise it, and to see how far you can go. When it comes to leading our church, that's the mindset that I've taken. See, some people are afraid to do anything because they think the will of God is so Skinny. But when you realize God gives you an opportunity, but then he doesn't turn you into a robot. He doesn't give you dot points. He just says, have a go. See what you can do. And all of a sudden you realize serving God is not treacherous. It's an adventure. Serving God is not nerve-wracking. It's exciting because, well, anything is possible. And God is giving me an opportunity to exercise my volition and creativity. You know how we decided to start a congregation in South Africa? We had a thought. It went like this. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work. And we bring them home. Suddenly we realized God is not requiring us to walk this fine line where if we put a foot wrong, he'll be so angry. God gives you an opportunity. And then he steps back and he says, let's see what you can do with it. When you realize the kingdom of God is like that, you become free. You become relaxed and you become creative. Here's the fifth thing about a kingdom mindset. I am not afraid. This is so important. You know, the guy who got $1,000, put it in a hole. He said, I put it in a hole and did nothing because I was scared. How many of you know, if you want to do anything in the kingdom of God... You can't live out of fear, and fear is a choice, just as faith is a choice. It doesn't mean things aren't intimidating or scary, but sometimes you've just got to do it scared, which means you choose faith, even though it is scary, frightening, and intimidating. But once you get afraid, you become paralyzed. How many people could look back on their lives, and what would you have done if you hadn't been afraid? You would have invested in that property back then. You would have asked her out. You would have applied for that job. You would have quit your job and studied that thing you'd always dreamed of. And all of us could nominate things we would have done if we just hadn't been scared because fear paralyzes you and causes you to sit on your hands rather than to step out and take a risk. And this wicked servant who did nothing, his confession was, I was afraid. And kingdom people are not afraid oftentimes there's giants on the horizon and it's intimidating, but we make a decision. I am not going to live out of fear. I'm going to live out of faith because faith believes that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Number six, mindsets of kingdom people. I'm not my own. I'm a steward of someone else's things. I'm expected to make a profit and I'm free to exercise my creativity in pursuit of that profit and I'm not going to be afraid. And here's number six, I am a sower. Now this is important. You've got to choose to be a sower, not a loser. A lot of people are losers because they chose to be. Let me explain, I'm not trying to be rude to you. I'm trying to explain a mindset that will ruin your life. We um, started a church in South Africa. And we sent Dustin and Sarah, who were our key pastors in Australia. And I was waiting for someone in our church to say to me, I can't believe we're losing Dustin and Sarah. And if anyone had said that to me, I was ready to immediately correct them because in our church, we don't lose anyone. Because I made a decision. I'm not a loser. I don't lose stuff. I'm a sower. I sow stuff, but I don't lose stuff. See, when you lose stuff, you've lost it. But when you sow stuff... You're expecting a harvest and a reward. We didn't lose Dustin and Sarah to South Africa. We sowed Dustin and Sarah into South Africa. And so therefore, I'm believing for a harvest in that country and in ours. I never lose money. I sow money. I never lose people. I sow people. Even if people leave our church upset with me, I didn't lose them. I sowed them. Because it's about the attitude of my heart. You determine whether you lost it or sowed it. It's a decision of your own heart. Now, if you're always losing things, you'll always be worse off. But if you keep a good spirit and you realize everything that leaves my hand, if I'm a kingdom person, it's not lost. It's just seed that is sown. And so I'm not going to grieve its loss. I'm not going to rue its loss. I'm not going to go over and over and over its loss. I am going to, by faith, believe Everything that leaves my hand is blessed of God, and it becomes a seed that's sown for my future. I am a sower. Do you know how that changes my life? I never lose. I never lose anything, because I determined a long time ago, if I'm a kingdom person, I'm not a loser. I'm a sower. And so however it leaves my hand, if I have a right attitude about it, it becomes a seed That I'm believing is going to produce a harvest in my life. And oftentimes there's a delay between when a seed is sown and when a harvest is reaped. But the Bible says if you don't give up, you will in due season reap a harvest. Listen, if you've been losing lots of stuff lately, it's a matter of your own heart. Change your attitude to what's left your hand, left your life. Stop being a loser and determine I am a sower because God's blessing is upon me and anything that leaves my life, it leaves with blessing. I'm going to bless it and in doing so I turn it into a seed from which I expect to reap a harvest in due season. Here's the last thought. I am well rewarded. That's the last mindset of a kingdom person. The master comes back to settle accounts. And here's what he does. He says, how did you go? Because he's looking for a profit. Well, the guy who had 5,000 turned into 10,000. And he says, I'm going to make you not a servant, a partner. The guy who had 2,000 turned into 4,000. He says, you're no longer a servant. You're a partner. What's the master looking for? He's looking for profit. So here's the point. God doesn't come back to judge. God comes back to reward. He's coming back not to find who's at fault. He's coming back to find who's profitable. And what do you do when you find someone who's profitable? You invest even more. If you've got a share portfolio, you check your shares to look for which shares are doing well. And what do you do when you find a share that's doing well? You take more of your resource and invest it into that area. The Bible says in Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the whole earth, looking for a heart that is towards him that he might strengthen it. Most people think the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the whole earth, looking for someone who got drunk last night so he can smash them. I guess they were already smashed. But isn't that the way most people see God? The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the whole earth, looking for someone he can punish. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord do roam to and fro across the whole earth, looking for someone whose heart is towards him that he might strengthen them. I am well rewarded because God is looking to reward me. If you're always thinking God is looking to punish you, you'll never live a victorious, successful life but if you walk around believing God's looking to reward me God is looking for opportunities to strengthen me it changes your demeanor and your attitude and suddenly instead of walking cautiously you start to walk with confidence and boldness because you believe I am well rewarded you know kingdom culture is quite different to Aussie culture Aussie culture says it's mine and I'll do what I want and profit's bad And but but kingdom culture says I don't belong to me. Everything I have that I think I own is actually on loan and God has entrusted me to use it and to make a profit from it and and he's checking that he might reward me even more and so I'm going to exercise the freedom he's given me not to lose but to sow so that my life may make an incredible difference in the community I'm at. And that God would continue to reward me. If you can understand those mindsets, you understand how heaven thinks and you know how to be successful. I wanna pray that whatever God has put in your hand, whatever opportunity you find yourself with, whether it's more or way less than other people is irrelevant. You can't choose what you've got in your hand, but you do have the privilege and the honor of choosing how you use what God's put in your hand to His glory that He might reward you further. God has put something in your hand. God's put something in your world that you can use to be a blessing and you'll be well rewarded. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank You for awesome people. Father, I thank You that You've given to all of us great opportunity. And I ask that this week in all we do, that we would be cognizant of the fact That our time, our treasure, our talent, it's all a gift that you've given us that we might make a difference in our generation. Help us to think that way, that our lives would be purposeful and that we would bring you great glory, that you would continue to strengthen and reward each one, that our lives would count in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. If you have any questions or simply for more information regarding Inspire Church, visit us at inspirechurch.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. It's our prayer that you live inspired by the Word of God and more alive in Him than ever before. Until next time.